You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. This week, guest speaker Kenny Heath gives us an in-depth look at the first verse of the Gospel of John. To be freed from the grave, the grave of our past, the grave in the present, but also the eternal grave. We are not going to hell because of Jesus Christ. We follow him. We are freed from the grave now and forever. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm sorry that it's under the circumstances of Joe and Charity not being well this week, dealing with that disease that we pray every day for God to deliver our world from. But I am thrilled at the opportunity to, we we love worshiping with you at Mountain City Church, but this is the first time that I've gotten to share God's Word with many of you, and I do look forward to that privilege. Thank you for supporting Deborah and me as your associational missionaries for the Western Baptist Association. That's a fellowship of this church and 18 others, primarily in Allegheny and Garrett counties. We have one in Wellersburg, Pennsylvania, and one in Short Gap, West Virginia. And uh, what we do is that we try to help those 19 churches, first through their pastors and their families, and then with the rest of the congregations, to fulfill our mission. And our mission is the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So with the Western Baptist Association, we condensed that down into three words, making mountain missionaries. So we try to support our pastors and their families, our churches. Sometimes it means I get to fill in and share God's word. Uh, You didn't see me for a long time because ending this past August for 13 months, I was the transitional interim pastor for one of our churches, Second Baptist Church in Cumberland, Maryland. So sometimes it means that. I like to think of that as the associational part of what we do. But then there's the missionary part. Now, I know all that was missionary too, but there's another side to my life, and that is I am bivocational. I work uh, part-time at WFWM Public Radio, the radio station over here at the university. And in that capacity, God has opened up so many doors, praying with and talking about Jesus with administration, faculty, staff, and students. A month ago, I got to wed two of my mission fields together, the university and the mission field that Nate and Ruth and Marty and I share together in local theater. I got to be a part of the university's production of It's a Wonderful Life, the radio play. Typecasting, you know, radio announcer, radio play. But the fun part about that was, was for four hours a night, five days a week, for almost two months, I got to be with a group of students 40 years younger than me. I was grandpa, and grandpa could talk about anything that grandpa wanted to talk about. And they were willing to talk back. And we talked about a lot of things, and we talked a lot about the Lord. And so I appreciate that. You support us in doing that, first with your prayers, but also your church does give gifts financially that help support us in that ministry. So thank you. And uh, one church calls me their greatest cheerleader. Well, I like that role. I think it's like Barnabas, the son of encouragement. So let me encourage you by saying, I like what's going on at Mountain City Church. You are reaching people. You are 
seeing them come to Jesus Christ. And you are teaching people, once they follow Christ, to obey all that he has commanded us. You are fulfilling the Great Commission. You came for a sermon, not for an advertisement. Here we go. What would you want your child's first word to be? The first word that our Heavenly Father wants from his children is John chapter 1, verse 1. Please find that. I know it's only one verse, but boy, we're going to dwell into this, I mean, big time today. And it is a verse that is, if it's not already burned into your memory, it's a mighty good one to have. John chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, as we talk about the Word this morning, I want you to think about the Word from three perspectives all at the same time. Now, I am a very structured, rigid person. Sometimes we're great at getting jobs done, but we are very difficult to live with, okay? So I like to think of it as I want to think about this perspective, then I want to think about this perspective, and now I want to think about this perspective. Close the door here, close the door here, get to this one. I'm going to ask you to do something I find it's difficult for me to do. I want you to consider the word from all three perspectives at the same time. The word in the sense of its function the word in the sense of its expression, and the word in the sense of its person. And Marty, that is a new thing. It's not in the PowerPoints. They don't want to drive you crazy. You can see it in the scripture verse, though, in the words there, as I explain it. Function. Uh, What does it do? What's its purpose? Expression. We're talking about the Bible as the word of God. Its person We're talking about Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to hit every single word in this passage. Now, now don't worry, don't worry. I am a radio man. And no matter how much you want it to be different, in radio, there are only 60 minutes in each hour. So I am somewhat cognizant of time. But we will hit every word. But I've got to give a little bit of a disclaimer to begin with. I'm going to talk a lot about the original language of the New Testament, Greek, okay? In the Bible, the original languages in the Old Testament, it was Hebrew. In the New Testament, with the birth of Jesus, it was primarily Greek with a little bit of Aramaic. That was the the common man's Hebrew. You know, we all know English, but when you're talking about Aramaic, it's like that version of English that they speak where you come from. For instance, if I were to speak to you the version of English from where I come from, Eastern North Carolina, heaven help you. <laughs> it kind of sound like, kind of like this right here. We swallow all of our inconsequence. You can't hear what we're saying, right? <laughs> See what I say? So it's a little bit of that, that Aramaic in, in the New Testament. And I'm not doing this to say, hey, look at me. Look how much Greek that I know. Oh, boy. I remember something that my Greek professor at Campbell University back in the caveman days, this was the late 1970s, uh, something that he said about getting snooty about how much Greek you know. Oh, I I wish you could have known him. And if you are a follower of Christ, good news, you will get to know him. His name was 
Kronji Burford Arp. I kid you not. But his stage name was Dr. Arp. You know, what we called him, Dr. Arp. Dr. Arp, he was in his 80s whenever I had him as a professor. He had retired after a long career at Columbia University, Ivy League. And then he started a new career at Wake Forest. He retired from Wake Forest and he came to little old Campbell University in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, population 250 without the school salute. You know, it's a little place. Dr. Art was six foot four and a very lean, athletic build. And he kind of stooped over a little like this and he snuffled as he shuffled. And one of the things he would say to us every so often at the beginning of a class was he'd start to sing his own version of a song from Oklahoma. Oh, what a beautiful morning! Oh, what a beautiful day! I have a beautiful feeling something is coming your way. Here's your test. <laughs> but the thing that he said about getting too snooty about, uh, about Greek is what I wanted to get to, but you got to know a little bit about, about Kronji. We never called him that to his face. This guy was old school. I mean, he taught us out of a textbook that was written in 1928. But if you ever got through what we used to call baby Greek, the early Greek classes, and you got to the upper level, New Testament Greek, oh my. He would open up his Greek New Testament and set it on the desk in front of him. He'd sit down, and he would start teaching and preaching to you out of that original language, not not speaking in Greek, but in English, but unlocking the meanings of the words and everything from that original language. And after about five minutes, you just set your pen down because there were no notes to be taken. The Holy Spirit was just pouring this out, pouring this out, pouring this out. So Dr. Arp said this more than once. He said, gentlemen, I don't care how long it's been since I've gone home to be with the Lord. But if I ever hear you say to your congregation, well, the Greek says, you better duck because I'm going to throw a hymnal at you. (laughs) So my purpose in getting into a lot of Greek this morning is not to try to impress you as far as what I know. I, I don't know beans. All I know is Jesus and him crucified and resurrected. But I think there is a great depth and meaning to a lot of these words today. So again, it's John chapter one, verse one that says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The first word is in. You mean to tell me you're going to find a lot to say about in, I-N? Well, a little bit. In, it means to rest in, to dwell in, to stay in, amongst... That's the Greek meaning. The English meaning to me is just a redneck tobacco farmer from eastern North Carolina. It's an inviting word. It's the opposite of out. It it draws me in on a cold day like this. It's like saying, come on in here and, and cozy up in close to the fire. So what follows with this, it's as if the Lord is saying to us, Come on in closer. Come in here close to me because I've got something really, really important that I want to give to you. And you've got to be here to get it. In the beginning. In the. Now, a little bit of a, a admission here. 
in the original Greek text, this the is not there. They say it's implied. Now, all the rest of the these in chapter 1, verse 1, they are there. But in translating into English, we have put a the there because it makes sense in English. Okay? That's a little technical stuff. Here's the important thing. In the original language, this word for the, which is only one letter in the original language, it means the one and only, exclusive, the definite article. And what's important about this word the being there? This. This is saying, I'm about to share with you not a version of the beginning, not a vague concept of the beginning, not a possible rendition of the beginning, but the one and only, no matter what anybody else says, beginning. The beginning. That word beginning. In the original language, it's only four letters. It's the word arche, arche. Do you know anybody that's named Archie? Uh, that's an old-time name, I know that. It used to be Archie Andrews in the comic books. Archie comes from this word. Archie, it means the beginning of time, space, or series. Okay, you know, the beginning of time, you know, where is second zero and then second one? The beginning of space, uh, where, where did everything come from? Uh, you know, out there, the worlds and our world and all that. The beginning of series. Well, people came into the church this morning. First, there was so-and-so. Second, there was so-and-so. Okay, that kind of idea. But it also means the beginning of rule. R-U-L-E. The beginning of rule. For instance, if you look at Colossians chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 18, that word archae is used to describe Jesus as the ruler of the church. So in the beginning is saying to us, not just the start of everything, but also the start of what is ruling or who is ruling. This is going to set the agenda. This is going to call the shots forever is what beginning means here. So God goes beyond just setting a starting point on the timeline of existence to establishing something that's going to set the agenda, that's going to call the shots for everything, whether you believe in him or not. Now let's go a little further because this next word adds to that. In the beginning was, was. You know, in English, I think that most times when we use the word was, we follow it up with ain't that way anymore. I'm sorry, that's Eastern North Carolinian. It used to be that way. It was that way, but it isn't that way anymore. That is not the meaning of this word in the original language. That tense that it's in means this is the way that it has always been. It is the way that it is now, and this is the way it's always going to be. It is a continuing, uninterrupted state of existence. 
in the beginning was. This business of Jesus Christ, agent of God, son of God, setting the the agenda, setting the rules, calling the shots. It has always been this way since the beginning. It is now and it will always be without interruption, continuing in the beginning was the word. So God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ, and we will talk a lot about in this message, and they pointed out very well in the verses that follow, did not have a point of origin. There's never been a time when there wasn't God and there wasn't Jesus. Simply put, they have always been. In the beginning was The, there's that definite one and only word again. In the one and only beginning, was, has always been, is, and always will be, the one and only word. Word. Word is a a word that uh, you've used. Maybe not in that way. It's the word logos, if we put it in English, L-O-G-O-S. Logos, I think we say it that way. Uh, For Christmas, I got a new uh, logo for my favorite football team. I won't get into that because we don't need to get sidetracked into the weeds. It's not from around here, I'll tell you that. So, (laughs) Can't take any offense. I can put it on the back of my car. It's from this Greek word, logos. Uh, Logos means a speaking or a saying. Now, the original language of Greek... It was a real specific language, and it had different words for what we say is word. They had had one word that meant like a word on a page of paper. They had another word for a word that was being said out of someone's mouth. This word, logos, it actually means the meaning, the intent, the guts of what the word is saying. It is the expression and manifestation of God's thoughts to man. Manifestation, what I mean by that is, it is God just as fully as can be for us as human beings who have finite understanding, rolling out to us what he really is thinking. In the beginning was the word, God's full rollout of what he is thinking for man to understand. And as you go through verses two through four, as I referred to a moment ago, it becomes obvious that the word is also a person and that person is Jesus Christ. We get from this logic, logical, logistics. When it says in the beginning was the word, it means that the word is that thing that is the basis of what holds everything together and the means by which we reason everything out. Far more than we can come up with in our own powers and ability. Far more than human brain power. It's standards given to us by another, this other by whom we depend as we strive to reason things out. Simply put, it's not us, but him. Not me, but thee. 
In the beginning was the Word. And what in the world are you going to find out of that? This. In English, when we use the word and, we think of it, if you want to be mathematically inclined, and I am terrible at math, it's like a plus sign, okay? I have my Bible and my notes and my bottle of water. Matter of fact, good time to hit it. Okay, fine. But in the original language of Greek, it's more like an equals sign. Now, that doesn't really make a lot of sense when you think of, uh, here's my Bible, it equals my notes, and that equals my bottle of water. No, that doesn't figure. But it makes a lot of sense when you're tying together concepts like what we see in John chapter 1, verse 1. It's saying, in the beginning was the Word. And all this that we just talked about, about those, that first phrase, it's saying that at the same time this is true, this also is true. Here's what I just talked with you about. Now let me express that in another way that's going to add something else to it. But don't forget this. Don't replace this with this. It's both together. In the beginning was the Word, and the, that exclusive one and only article, and the Word, meaning the person of Jesus and all that he means to us and means to the world. He is the one through whom God created everything, runs everything. And the Word was with God. All right. As I told the folks back when I interim pastor at Second Baptist, here we go. It's time for another Greek geek moment. The word with in the original language, it, put it in English letters, it's P-R-O-S, pros. And it means in terms of location, direction. Uh, it means as near as and close as could possibly be. You know, on Facebook post, you put up there something and you say that you were with someone. My wife likes to post every time we go to one of our 19 churches on Sunday morning and it says up there, Deborah was with Kenny. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess you could say we're, we're with each other right now, but there's what, good 25 feet between us? So what does it mean when it says that the word Jesus was with God? doesn't mean that at all. It means that Jesus, Son of God, is as close to God as it could possibly, possibly be. Now let me tie in this a little bit further with the next word. And the word was with God. In the Greek, there is a one-letter difference between God at that point and God when we see it at the end of the verse. Now, don't worry, it's not a typo. There is something to this. When we see it at the end of verse 1, it is the word theos. Where we see it here in the word was with God, it is theon. Slight difference. But that slight difference, theon means that there is a separation between the two items. There is a separation between Jesus, the Son of God, and God the Father. Okay? Even though 
just as close as possibly could be, there is a distinction. But don't cut your brain off yet because we've got another and. And we just found out that's an equals mark. And what that means is that Jesus, the word, is just as close as he possibly can be to God, but there is a distinction. But at the same time, the word was God. Was continual, uninterrupted existence. And we have that word at the end, God, which I told you before, that's the one we're more familiar with, theos. So what we've got going on here is a mind-blowing concept, especially, again, for a structure freak like me. It just can't be two things at the same time. It's got to be this or that, either or, not both and. Well, this is both and. So Jesus is the Son of God, the Word, and he is distinct from God the Father, but at the very same time, he is totally God. We hear Jesus say this himself. In John chapter 10, verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. And that word are, that's in John 10, 30, in the original language, it doesn't mean together or oneness in the sense of parts coming together, but it means instead something that was together and one essence from the get-go forever. Now, I hope that was helpful and meaningful to you, but if you're sitting there saying, well, man, I feel like that uh, I sit in the college class this morning. I, I, I put on my professorial outfit today for that, but I would only be a low-level professor because I don't have a doctorate. I've got a master's. And quite frankly, all the stuff that I'm talking with you about today, you can Google it yourself. But three of the things that I think that this verse, John chapter 1, verse 1 says to us, and there's, there's, there's much, much more wonderful thing about the Word of God is you can study the Word of God over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and each time you can see more. You can learn more. You can have your life changed more. So this is only the beginning. Three things that I think that this verse says to us, who Jesus was and who Jesus is in relation to God. Jesus was at the beginning with God and has always been with God and has, at the same time, always been God. Hear me out on this, because first here you might say, mm, I don't like that. Did you know that Jesus did not start out in the manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago? No. He was here long before that. He has always been. And he chose to start over in terms of human existence, the way we see things. He chose to start over as a baby in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. This is what God was talking about through Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. I'll give you a moment to get to that. Oh, I do have it up there. Good. Okay, Philippians 2, 6 and 7. 
it says about Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. You ever thought about that? Sweet baby Jesus in the manger in Bethlehem. I mean, it is wonderful. But the wonder comes from this. Jesus, God himself, the Son of God, God himself, emptied himself, sacrificed himself. He would later on the cross, but he sacrificed himself to come into this world as a baby. He did that for us. Now, this is way too deep for you and I to fully understand this side of heaven. But the good news is this. God does not call us to fully understand it. He calls us to fully believe it. Second thing this verse says to us is Jesus' place in our lives. Jesus is the architect, the creator and mapper of our lives. He is the architectural blueprint for our lives. And he is the logic by which we live our lives. Do you look at things differently once you became a follower of Jesus Christ? In your years of being a follower of Jesus Christ, have you seen the way that you look at things change over that period of time? Do you look at this world and instead of saying, oh, my lands, this world is going to you know where in a handbasket, do you say, well, yeah, it is, but the Lord, I don't need to add anything else. It changes everything. And the third thing I would share with you, what this verse has to say to us, Jesus, the word, the Son of God who is with God and is God, and the Word of God, the Bible, the relationship between the two. You know, one day in heaven, we will have the blessed privilege of seeing and being with Jesus, the Word, face to face. Now, today, we don't have that privilege. We don't even have the privilege that they had 2,000 years ago of being able to see and be with Jesus face to face. But we have a privilege today that they didn't have back then. Today, we have the privilege of having the most accurately translated record of what Jesus said, what Jesus did, who he was, and what he means to us. It's the Bible, also called, therefore, the Word of God. Take a look at what the Word of God says about this practically. I've just got a, a list of real quick verses here for you. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 Jesus was quoting from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew 7, 24, he said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. John chapter 6, verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. John 8, 31, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. In Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Now, why should you care about all this? Very simple reason. Jesus, the word, is the only reliable way to live life and to prepare for death and what follows it 
God's word, the Bible, is the only way to know him. Please let me repeat that. Why should you care about this? Jesus, the word, is the only reliable way to live life and to prepare for death and what follows it. The Bible, the word of God, is the only way to know him. And what should you do about this? If you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, then you're not connected to the only reliable way to live life and prepare for death and what comes after it. Get connected to the word, Jesus, and become his follower and get into this word that will help you to know him. Now, do you really have to do that? Yes. Isn't it enough just to try to be a good man or a good woman? No. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us need to follow Jesus, the Word. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, make studying the Bible a part of your everyday. Ask God to open your will to read it, your mind to understand it, and your heart to obey it. Do you really have to do that? Yes. Isn't it enough just to come to church and listen to the preacher preach it? No. (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 18 says this, You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul. All of us need to daily study the Bible, the Word. Now what's going to happen if you do this? Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verses 47 and 48, everyone who comes to me and hears my word and act words and acts on them, I will show you whom he, he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it has been well built. I'm grateful for the scripture passages that were read today because they began to talk about the third person of the Trinity, these three in one who are God. We've talked about God the Father and God the Son, but now I want to speak just a moment about God the Holy Spirit. If you're thinking you should do what I said you ought to do today, then that is God's power, the Holy Spirit, working in your heart and in your mind. He's calling you. Do you want to answer? I will be glad to talk with you after the service. If you can't get a hold of me, you can talk with Nate. You can talk with Chris or with with Matt. I'll get it. (laughs) Remember remember Chris. Uh, Matt, you can talk with Carrie. There are others here. Derek. Plenty who will be knowledgeable on this about how to do that. Talk with Pastor Joe whenever he's completely well and back. The word. We have got to have this belief that this is the word of God, that Jesus is the word. He is the basis upon which all existence now and forevermore hinges. 
He is the way not only to live forever in heaven, but to live day to day in this earth, on this earth. He's the way to do it. There is no other way. And the Bible is the only way to do it. Father, thank you for your word. In its person, your son, Jesus Christ, in its expression as the Bible, in its function, that it's life itself. Oh, Lord, it's a wonderful gift. We can only receive it through accepting your presence and power working in our lives. Please lead us, Lord, to completely put our faith in you and in the word. In Jesus' name we pray, saying together, amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.